Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! How could he say that when he was shirtless and stunning on his knees before her, torturing her? She had no idea. Then he lowered his head and flicked his tongue over her swollen flesh, and it didn't matter because nothing mattered except feeling, feeling this, feeling him. His mouth was hot and wet and slow, and he licked and sucked her clit. His tongue rubbed every inch of her with shameless intensity, slick, thorough, and dizzyingly good. She moaned. Hey, Claire. Yeah. We, um, as steamy and wonderful as that is, we need to do the podcast now. Oh, the podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, but I mean, he goes on. There is more <laughs> to this. <laughs> I know there is. But hey, how about we talk about it a little bit? Okay, Tell our sure. dear listeners about it. All right, let's do that. Okay. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. Yes. Uh, lots of spoilers. All the spoilers. All the spoilers. So many spoilers. Um, like, it's nuts. So if you don't like spoilers... It's nuts. It's penises. It's clits. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. It's butts. It's coconuts. <laughs> We're going to get right to the root of the issue and then go up and down the shaft. (laughs) Filthy, filthy Claire. Uh, Claire. Yes. You picked books. What did we read this time? I did pick books. I picked Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert Mm -hmm. and Less, a novel by Andrew Sheen Greer. Great. And so what was the theme today? Uh, Say Yes. Say yes. We're all about consent here, so. Yeah, but life has presented you with options, and the answer these characters have directed themselves to give is yes. Yes. Great, great. (laughs) So, before we dive into it, Claire. Yes. What's got you hot and bothered? Oh my God, so much. So many things. Yeah, everything. I have this incredibly long list because I just wasn't like I I, okay you know me I come into this thing half-baked with half-baked ideas and (laughs) half-baked thoughts half-baked notes sometimes half-read books like what the (laughs) fuck is wrong (laughs) with me uh these hot and bothers are usually thought of moments before you ask me the question so am I really that hot or bothered it is hard to say but I will say uh, today, I have come in with a list of no less than 10 different things I could talk about. And oh, choosing has me. been hard. But first okay. things first, I have an update. Yes. The Angry Honey Guy. Yes. Yes, we've talked about this, that there is an angry man on my street corner. <laughs> and he sells honey with an angry face. Part of me wishes you hadn't given any context. Just the angry honey guy. Let's move on. Um, But yes, um, I have found out both uh, directly and indirectly through sources 
He is an he's a terribly nice gentleman and he has here's how i found out you would send me a link to uh neighborhood what is the what is that next door next, next door. door yeah 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 next door and somebody had said that they saw this man selling honey it confused them and somebody the, his granddaughter wrote on it he's like that's my grandfather he has he has hives all over the city and it is his honey and it's it's all local to san francisco and he's retired and this is his hobby buy his honey and everybody's like i did and it's so good and somebody made him a mask with bees on it because they like him so much and then um <laughs> I think one of your friends, who is also a listener of the podcast, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. had gone by and saw him and was like, stop the car. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she messaged me. She was like, my boyfriend and I were driving through the city and we saw him and I insisted that we pull over. <laughs> and she bought his honey. Mm -hmm. And um, I went out this morning and I also bought some <gasps> of his honey. Oh my god, have you tried it yet? It is delicious. Oh, but it's, it, oh I love good honey. It is sweet. It's got those little crystallies in them to, <gasps> yes. to show that they're like how it's and it's very good. It's got that that flowery taste that's not herbally but also like mm, honeysuckly. Mm -hmm. It's very good and he is very very nice. <laughs> and he says, "I've seen you like cross the street every once in a while. I know we are neighbors. And I was like, yeah, like I, I'm sorry I haven't bought. He's like, are you, don't be sorry. I'm here all the time. <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. He just he just says RBF, which like, I can relate. Yeah, no, but like... He sounds a lot nicer than I do. I just also <laughs> have RBF. And he waves to people as they go by. Oh, that's and, so sweet. Um, yeah, no, he's great. So that is an excellent update. FYI, everybody, the angry honey man is just selling delightful honey. And oh. the world is a good place sometimes. Um, sometimes. Sometimes. Also, in other news, um, there was a BuzzFeed article a while ago. Um, I think it was Meet the Women uh, Who Are Re- building a better romance industry a trio of black women at kensington publishing is challenging the old predominantly white narratives of who gets to fall in love um and this was by bim adwanmi and uh this article like talked all about um black creators who are creating romance novels in the industry but also pushing harder for more black creators and i think that's amazing um, and uh universal television has bought the rights either to the article or to work with buzzfeed it is unsure i'm not sure like if they're doing a um documentary on what the article covers or not or whatever but anyway so we or maybe we'll see more Black romance on television. I'm not quite sure, but there should be an update on that soon. Um, none of the authors mentioned in the article were informed about this, so they're all surprised. So, oh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure if Universal Television and BuzzFeed is actually doing the best thing for Black authors. But anyway, that's happening. Hi, um, <sighs> more on that. And I found out two disquieting things, and this will be the last of my hundreds. I have so many more, but these are the last two things. One, I'm positive I'm being haunted. There's a ghost in my apartment now, and it doesn't like me being here. It's upset, and it is ruining small things in small ways. <laughs> Just to annoy me. <laughs> At least it's not, like, ruining big things in big ways. No, no. It's just, like, 
It's just like, what will annoy Claire? I know. What if the water ran all night and she could not turn off the tap? But it wasn't a gushing. It was just a, it was more than a drip. What if? And they are correct. It annoyed the fuck out of me. So you have a passive aggressive roommate from beyond the grave. I was going through my kitchen and one of these tall pillar candles I had on the uh, refrigerator just popped off Ah. and flung across and it flung itself on to the floor. Oh my goodness. It's a ghost saying, pay attention, bitch. (laughs) Maybe it's a ghost cat. May I, you know, the way it knocks things over, turns things on, like seems to walk quietly through the apartment. I believe it. I okay. believe it. Okay. Um, so that is annoying. And the other last thing that I have discovered mm-hmm. in England, they do not say puma. They say puma. Puma. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> and they also don't say Nike. They say Nick. Okay. And Adidas is Adidas. Look, this is all wrong. I watched a fashion thing that was happening in Britain, and they were talking all about those brands. Puma, <laughs> Nick, and Dididas. And it was insane to listen to them talk. I was like, no. <laughs> and I know we have a couple of listeners who right now are, are in Great Britain, and they're listening to me going, why does she have a problem with this? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. but it's wrong. Who does? Puma. I think, Puma. I think Adidas is actually correct because it's a German company. But Puma, but, l- these liquid U's have got to stop. What is that? I actually what don't care. But it's fun to make fun I, of. I also don't care. <laughs> it was just something I discovered. It's just fun to be upset about for no reason. It was on my list. <laughs> And it might be why the ghost is upset at me because I'm upset about this and maybe it's a British ghost. I love that your list is like, okay, we need to talk about uh, supporting black romance writers and then also why Brits say Puma. These are equally important issues that we have to talk about right now. Look, this has been a very long coronavirus. (laughs) 2020 has been six years long. It is messed with my head. Uh-huh. They are right now developing a for real television se- series called Love in the Time of Corona. Oh, and I am not happy with it mm-hmm. because I said I would not be happy with it. <laughs> I, just, I am hot and bothered is Claire Rice is over coronavirus. <laughs> great. Great, great, great. It's, I'm done. Good. I'm done with hurricanes. I'm done with fire. I am Mm -hmm. done with smoke in the air. Mm -hmm, I am mm -hmm. done with uh, police causing riots. And it is the police causing riots. And I am done with uh, with our politicians being on the White House lawn and selling motherfucking tickets to that motherfucking event. And I am just done. And I unfortunately cannot escape it. And sorry, ghost, you are in for the long haul with me. I don't care how many taps you turn on or candles you turn over. I'm here, bitch. Just get used to it. And that is Claire Rice's Hot and Bothered. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Good, good, good. Uh, Neil. So thank you for listening to our podcast. (laughs) Uh, um, No, I actually, I have two as well and i was like oh i feel bad that i'm going to be bringing up two things but now i don't feel bad at all um (laughs) the first one okay guys i think i found the one 
<gasps> it's very sudden. I know. He's already living with me. He's a whiz in the kitchen. He's great to have around. He's also light teal, and I got him on sale at Macy's. I'm talking about my KitchenAid. Holy fuck, ladies. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I loved baking. <laughs> oh. When we're done recording this, I'm about to go bake for the third weekend in a row. <gasps> yeah. So, nice. so I'm very excited. To- today, I will be baking a um, layered spice cake with apricot jam filling and a cream cheese frosting at the behest of a friend of mine we're doing a bake trade he's gonna make me lasagna and i'm making him a cake and i'm very excited about it anyway so that's just like it was kind of an impulse but it was on crazy sale i went to macy's on my lunch because i work in union square and i was in the office that day there were literally three of them left inside the macy's so I just grabbed one, and now I've been baking all the time, and I love it. So find the things that make you happy. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to bring up is last night I watched this documentary on Netflix called Circus of Books. Have either of you seen it yet? No, but I've heard about it. Oh, my God. It's amazing. So Circus of Books is about a bookstore, quote, bookstore called Circus of Books. It's about this, like cute little straight Jewish couple who accidentally became the owners of this like gay porn store in LA. And it's like they've accidentally became sort of like a pinnacle of West Hollywood culture in the eighties and nineties. And like, there's one point where they were involved in this like FBI sting operation against them. Like they knew Larry Flint, like it's this whole crazy thing. Um, and it's an amazing documentary and it will probably make you cry a couple times. Um, but I recommend it. It's, it's great. It's great. It's, it's great. So. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh my God. There's this part. Sorry, really fast. There's this part where they're talking about like, um, because it's the it's the so it's this couple that owns the bookstore. They have three kids, a daughter and two sons, and it's the daughter who's making the documentary. Um, and there's a bit where they're talking about the '80s and during the AIDS crisis, and like she has this recollection of she would walk into the store and be like, "Oh, where's so and so?" And they'd be like, "Oh, he died," and this was like happening to a lot of their employees. But there are also some very, like, very sweet, tender moments. And, like, uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Go watch it. That sounds delightful. Okay. I did want to say, I, I said all right, if only because, like, yes, I will go watch it. And then I realized, oh, no, that sounded like a transition. And I didn't want to cut you off. I wanted you to talk more about it. But then I was like, oh, no. But now I've made it sound like it's a transition. But then I cut you off anyway. So whatever. It works out great. It works out great. Should we talk about books now? Let's talk about books. Get a life, Chloe Brown. A novel, The Brown Sisters, book one, by Talia Hibbert. Chloe Brown is a chronically ill computer geek with a goal, a plan, and a list. After almost but quite dying, she's come up with seven directives to help her get a life, and she's already completed the first, finally moving out of her glamorous family's mansion. The next items? Enjoy a drunken night out, ride a motorcycle, go camping, have meaningless but thoroughly enjoyable sex, 
travel the world with some with nothing but hand luggage and do something bad. But it's not easy being bad, even when you've written step-by-step -step guidelines on how to do it correctly. What Chloe needs is a teacher, and she knows just the man for the job. Redford Red Morgan is a handyman with tattoos, a motorcycle, and more sex appeal than 10,000 Hollywood heartthrobs. He's also an artist who paints at night and hides his work in the light of day, which Chloe knows because she spies on him occasionally. Just the teeniest, tiniest bit. But when she enlists Red in her mission to rebel, she learns things about him that no spy session could teach her, like why he clearly resents Chloe's wealthy background, and why he never shows his art to anyone, and what really lies beneath his rough exterior. Dot, dot, dot. So that's what the book says. That is what the book says. Claire. Yes. What is this book about? Um, it, it, I mean, the back covers a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, it gives say, you the whole list. It gives you the... Uh, well, I feel like the, the book sort of indicates that there is way more on the list. That those are just the ones that we're going to say out loud for mm -hmm. our... Because they're plot points. But there's non-plot mm -hmm. point things that are also on the list that we're just not going to cover. Um, so, but yes, those are the things that happens. Uh, Chloe is from a wealthy family and, uh, also she has fibromyalgia and it is chronic pain that is hindered her life a great deal. It's changed her life. She didn't always have it. She was, she's been diagnosed for a few years, but she had a section of her adult life where she was not, she did not have this diagnosis and she wasn't suffering uh, constant chronic pain. And then this new section of her life where she is suffering from it and she's finally been diagnosed, but she's lost a lot um, in the interim. And now she's just trying to regain a private life again. So she lived with her family for a long time, sort of dealing with this diagnosis and changing her life so that she could sort of reacclimate to who she was as a person now that she's going to have lifelong chronic pain. Um, but now she's out in the world again. She's in her own apartment and uh, there's a very handsome superintendent of the building who is super cute and he comes over to do things for her and he lives right across the way in his own apartment where he paints and she watches him paint and they have an immediate sort of combative relationship because he sees her as sort of being a rich princess who gets whatever she wants. And uh, he she sees him as this like brusque person who's just mean to her all the time. And as they kind of get to know each other a little bit, they realize they both have a lot of walls up, that they both are using, doing a lot of things to protect themselves from the outside world for lots of reasons. One, because she is a person with a disability and she's black. And so there's a lot she has to protect herself from the outside world. And he um, uh, has just come out of this horrific relationship where he was abused by his partner and he sort of reacts to the world based on those abuses. Um, I honestly think her walls are much more well-earned. <laughs> the, in the book, um, while I do believe his trauma, and I thought his trauma was actually very well-written, and I don't think we talk a lot about men being emotionally abused in relationships enough, and I thought this book did cover it very well. Um, I also thought... <laughs> 
I wasn't quite sure if it was earned. <laughs> like, I feel like we didn't really go into it, and he had no sense of what her trauma could be. Yeah. And, like, that was a little difficult, and I was like, oh, why is he so stupid? And so, like, it was... Um, and this book suffered from uh, the perfect person. Okay, so this was so obviously... Okay, one, this book is perfect for time, the Corona times in so many ways. It felt like a book for the Corona times in that there, it takes place mostly in her apartment. She works from home. Uh, She is surrounded by her own litter all the time. She is an (laughs) imperfect person in so many glorious and wonderful ways. Um, It suffers from being the fantasy of somebody who works at home. Like, man, here's me working at home just building websites for other people. Wouldn't it be great if when I looked out my window, there was a fucking hot guy (laughs) painting Painting. half naked and I could just (laughs) fucking stare at him while I do my boring ass spreadsheets and emails. And how could we get together? And then just all the steps of how they could possibly get together and why a guy like that would fall in love with this person sitting at the desk. And so it was so if that's what you're going for if that is the fantasy you want to dive into this book is great this book is perfect for that the sex is sexy and i will say i normally hate the sexy talk that happens in books and i've talked Mm -hmm. about this before i thought the sex talk in this was perfect yeah it was intended to be hot and it was hot and every time it was intended to be funny it actually was funny like (laughs) honest to god the sex talk in this was perfect the the i want scene Oh, oh, it was so good. Like, it was oh, so sexy. Like, mm. um, but we'll get to that in a second. So plot wise, here's these two people who are at odds. Um, how do these two finally who don't like each other end up kind of talking to each other on the same level? Uh, she climbs up a tree to save a cat, despite her fibromyalgia and knowing this is going to cause a lot of pain for herself. She climbs up a tree to, to save a cat, and then she herself kind of needs to be saved because she also now cannot get down. And he has to kind of cl- <laughs> climb up the tree and, like, help her down. Um, and the whole time he's thinking, like, man, this woman is hot. But not in that way that has been egregiously awful in so many of the other books where it's like, wow, you're in this situation and all you can think of is how hot she is. It actually felt like it made sense. Here's I'm an adult man Mm -hmm. looking at a woman I'm attracted to and I shouldn't be, but I am and I'm not going to lie to myself. (laughs) And it was like, oh, this feels fine. Um, And she did the same thing. She's like, oh, I should not be attracted to this guy. And I'm so attracted to this guy. He helps her into her apartment and realizes very quickly that this is a woman who's in pain. He doesn't ask her why. He doesn't ask her what's going on. He's curious, but he just sort of accepts that truth. And that is important to her because, uh, and we talk more about pain later, that pain is something you experience in your head, even if it's brought up from parts of your body. And that you can't share that specific pain with other people and you just depend on them to believe you. Um, And I thought that was beautifully underlined. And that's the only reason why I kind of accept his pain when we get to it later in the book is because it is about belief and it is about believing somebody else when they say they're in pain. Mm-hmm. And that's what she does. And she gives him that gift of belief. And so even when he makes a horrific mistake 
and blames her for something that she wasn't actually to blame for, she does come to a place where she can forgive him because she recognizes his pain was the cause of his reaction. So I thought that was great. Um, uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. So uh, she is this list. She's been living sort of sheltered for a while because of her uh, situation. And she sees that these, this is a handsome man uh, who can help her fulfill that list. And he's, uh, he needs a new website, and she's a website designer, and they'll trade. She'll design his website, and uh, he'll help her with her list. And basically all the items on her list are dates. Like, they're, like they're, yeah. they're, they're these dates. They like, are. <laughs> so it's just like... None of I, it's like, get a handle on my taxes, anything like that. No, no. It's, it's all things you need to do with somebody it's else. It's not even like, learn a new language, or... It's just, take me to a bar. Now take me camping. Now give me sex, please. Yes. Yes, it is all those things. And, um, <laughs> and oh my God, I know we're going to get to it. But the first time that they hook up, it's like out in a public <gasps> square. And he just like, he he fingers her and gets her off like out in public. But, you know, it's it's a dark, quiet dessert. Everyone's at the bars and blah, blah. And it's just like, ooh, girl. Ooh. Oh. It was so great. So, yeah, one of the list things on the list is just get drunk at a bar. Like, just get drunk. And so he's like, okay, well, then let's do it. Mm -hmm. So he takes her to a bar, which she hates. But she doesn't know how to tell him that. And she's trying to figure out in her mind, like, do I hate this because I'm not drunk? And you can only really stand clubs if you're drunk? <laughs> or do I hate this because I genuinely hate this? It doesn't say so in the book, but I think it's full of white people. <laughs> probably, probably. And I, and I think she's looking around going, this place is full of white people. <laughs> it doesn't say that in the book, but she's uncomfortable. She never likes, mm -hmm. she doesn't have a good time there. They dance, but it's not really all that much fun. And she's like, mm -hmm. can we just fucking leave already? And he's like, yeah. She's like, take me somewhere you like. And so he takes her to an art gallery and they look around. Um, they're treated a little bad. And he's like, oh, it's because they're classist. And she's like, no, it's because I'm black. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and I guess what? It's both. Yeah, it's both. It's because <laughs> he looks poor because he's in overalls and uh, she's and black. And has tattoos and she's <laughs> black. So turns out it was both. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Can I? I just want to interject really quickly. Oh, yes. So when she's like, oh, I want to go on a drunken night out because part of her... Um, a part of her deal um, is she, like um, everyone except for her family has kind of left her life because they didn't feel they either didn't believe her when she was saying that she was in pain and constantly tired or they just didn't want to deal with it, including a fiance. Like she had a fiance um, who when he was like, hey, let's let's have sex. And she'd be like, I'm in so much pain right now. And he wouldn't believe her and, like, make her feel guilty for it. Anyway, so there's this moment where she, um, where they're at the, the dive bar, and she's like, oh, my God, it's really not about the bar that you're at. It's, like, who you're out with. And be being here is just reminding me that I don't have friends to go out with. Um, and because she hadn't gone out in so long, uh, Red had picked the bar, and then when Chloe realized, like, ah, oh, just, I'm really not digging it here. And she's like, hey, I'm sorry. I know that this was, like, the bar that you picked, but I hate it here. And it's like, no problem. It's just, it's just a bar. We'll go somewhere else. Like, yeah. I have, the, I think the plan was to do kind of a bar crawl. And he had picked bars that were all within walking distance of each other. 
because he knew that like that could have been an issue for Chloe. And that's what he does. The, the whole book is he takes her disability into consideration without making a deal out of it, which of course is one of the reasons why she falls for him. Um, but yeah, he's like, yeah, it's it's just a bar. We'll just go to another bar. And she's like, actually, can we go somewhere that like you go, like when you're by yourself or one? I forget the conditions. She's like, you know, when you want to unwind or you know, whatever, whatever. And he's like. Okay, yeah, sure. Like, he's he's super game. He's not insistent. He's never like, oh, just one more drink. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And, like, he never had this thought of, like, oh, well, if I get her to dance more, then I can, like, get in her pants. It was nothing like that. He was just like, oh, yeah, sure. We'll just we'll go somewhere else. It's fine. So, yeah. I really appreciate so, that about him. Uh, no, I loved it. I, Which, I thought that was of great. of course, is, like, basic human kindness. But because yeah. of this genre, it's like, oh, this pinnacle of emotional stability and maturity that he's like oh yeah we'll just go to another bar it's fine yeah yeah. (sighs) like is that simple yeah so they they finish up at the gallery he's 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 done he's kind of it's this is part of his old life so Mm -hmm. uh he's enjoyed it but now he wants to move on she's perfectly fine to go they he takes her to like the secluded area uh where they can just sit but then they start making out and he's like Mm -hmm. oh I want to put my hand up your skirt. And she's like, do it. And do then, it. And it is consenting the whole way. Like it is mm-hmm. very like full of like, yeah. And they are in public and they, and he like, and she straddles him at one point with his hand up her skirt and gets her off. And she's like, I kind of want to get you off now. And he's like, we don't have to do that. Like, I, I appreciate that. But honestly, <laughs> Um, I'm going to come real fast. <laughs> so I'm actually then, okay. He, <laughs> like, he we, doesn't we'll... say this, but like in my mind, I'm like, what are you going to do with it? Like, yeah. where are you gonna, how are you going to clean up? I mean, depending on what she's willing to do, it's just like, okay, well, now I have a handful of cum. I guess I'll just go into the fast food place and go to the bathroom. <laughs> Christine made a motion of putting it in her back pocket. He <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> Where are my back? Where's my back pocket stuck close? Oh, okay. right, I remember. Oh, gross. Um, so they go out to get a taxi, and there they meet up with her aunt, who just happens to be out having a good time on her mm-hmm. own. And uh, she's like, "Oh, who are you with?" And our girl doesn't want to say. Chloe doesn't want to say. Oh, it's this guy I just made out with in a back alley. She also doesn't want to say it's a guy I'm on a date with. She because is it a date? She also doesn't want to say it's my friend because everybody's going to talk about it. Yeah. So she doesn't know what to say. Her aunt is her mother's twin sister, so mm-hmm. it'll obviously get back to her mother, her father, her grandmother, and her two sisters, who all of course like are there to take care to help her take care of herself and to help take care of her. But, you know, this whole adventure is her, like, kind of having her own life. So she's like, I don't want to deal with it, especially because the sisters have found Red Hot from the very beginning. And, they're, and there's one point early on, they're like, oh, just go fuck him. And she's like, no, I can't stand the guy. <laughs> she knows that if it gets back to everyone that she's on a date with Red, that the sisters will, like, tease her mercilessly for it. She doesn't want to put up with that. No, she doesn't. And so at first, this was utterly unreasonable for me because, of course, Red hears this whole conversation and he's upset about it. Uh Like, you couldn't even tell her who I am. Like, 
which she actually did. She's like, oh, it's my, you know, we're doing building things. Like, he's my <laughs> he's my super. Man. We're, like, yeah. out we're... drinking together for apartment reasons. Yeah, it, like, just depending we... on her aunt being so very rich that she doesn't know how apartments work. So <laughs> yeah. she's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. But her aunt's not a dumbass. <laughs> yeah, well, she was also pretty drunk. I think we forgot to mention that, too, that Red is her super. Right, yeah. Well, yeah. I think we said something about yeah, okay. superintendent or whatever. But so yeah, so so he's upset about it, and there was a big part of me is like, why, man? I mean, are you ready to be invested in this relationship enough to be named something? It's like even if this was a first date, even if like whatever, it should be perfectly fine that nobody knows what your relationship is. Yeah, <laughs> because who knows what the future is, and that's not that's an unfair burden to put on somebody to demand that you suddenly be a part of their life or demand that you have a reason for it. I got later that he assumed it was um, a class issue that he was too low class to be um, uh, to be. Uh, to be like introduced to her very wealthy aunt and that she was embarrassed uh, that she was slumming it or that she didn't want to make him a part of her life because he was from a lower class. And that was all of his assumptions. Right. Because we do find out eventually that part of his deal is he's sort of like starting over after having um, found a fair amount of success in the art world in London and no small part because he started dating this woman who was like very rich and like had all these connections. And it took him a long time to realize that he was basically a prop for her and he was there so that she could feel edgy and then she would constantly manipulate him. And so like she was emotionally abusive. And so having a rich woman, not acknowledge him is very triggering for him. And yeah, I mean, like, because this is romance, it's like, oh, someone's going to blow up over this little thing for no reason. And I'm like, oh, no, it feeds directly into the the trauma that he's trying to get over. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. And Fair. I think, like, one of, one of my favorite lines in it is actually a really economical way to talk about how rich this woman was. Because <clears throat> he asked her, like, what do you do? And she laughs and says, oh, I don't work. <laughs> that's that's an absurd thing you just asked me and i really appreciated (laughs) that like that was that simple um yeah and so like that brings up a lot for him and so he can't like be cool with her for a little bit but they sort of he she gives him time to like she apologizes she knows why he's pissed but she gives him time he eventually comes around and is like i'm pissed at you and she's like yeah, I got that. Like, like you are not transparent. Yeah. <laughs> you, but you, you are also obvious. Like, are, are you aware that you wear your heart in your sleeve? Yeah, no? Well, like, you are. You do. She's like, but are we cool now? He's like, no. She's like, okay, great. Then what do you want to do? He's like, well, I promised I'd come over for the website. And she's like, oh, shit. All right. We're doing that. <laughs> But then because he's the type of person who likes to care for people and she's having like a spell where things are particularly bad for her, he takes care of her. And then um, eventually they make out some more and he's like, I don't want to have sex yet, but I'm really enjoying this. She's like, hell yeah, me too. Uh, So that's kind of the relationship they have. He comes over, they both get off a little bit and then he makes food and then uh, they do uh, the website stuff and he goes back to his place and paints and it's very pleasant. And Mm -hmm. then he takes her out camping and it is the best camping trip anybody's ever been on 
because he has set it up so that she's comfortable. She does mm-hmm. not have to sleep in the ground. They have sex in the tent. It is delightful. It is so much fun. And then, of Can course, I... it all... F- oh, go ahead. Sorry, finish your thought. And oh, then, then I of course, it all falls apart when they get back because yeah. then a thing happens. I take umbrage with that. But um, So I'd just like to read a, a quick quote that sort of, I, I feel, encapsulates... Um, their relationship and his approach to it is um, he's he's there's one point where he offers to cook for her and she's like no no like it's fine and of course she's bristling because she doesn't like to be taken care of Um, and he says you think this is a big deal because no offense you've had a lot of people in your life who claim to care about you but didn't act like it that's not me I can cook, and right now you can't. So I'm doing it for you because that's how people should behave. They should fill in each other's gaps. And it's just like, oh yes, like yeah. this is what I want from every single romance novel. Yeah. I do. I do have one issue with the sex in that there he like he was getting off on teasing her. Like there were so many times that she's like, oh my god, fuck me, and he's like, not yet, not yet, and she'd be like, no, seriously, fuck me, and he'd be like, not yet, not yet. Okay, now, so, but that wasn't something that they really talked about. Um, and, like, for both of them, it was okay. But he, he always dictated the pace of the sex. Yeah. And I took a little umbrage with that, especially since it's called Get a Life Chloe Brown, not Get a Life <laughs> Red Morgan. So I wanted her to have, like, at least just one time to be like, okay, shut up, I'm in charge now. And him to be like, okay, great. Agreed. And and in large part because this wasn't a book of virgins. These Neither of these two were virgins. Mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. talked about how much she liked sex. That mm-hmm. sex was not something she was afraid of. And mm-hmm. that it wasn't even something that was alien to her at all. And it yeah. didn't even seem like it was alien in, in this new body that she had to kind of figure her way <clears> through. <throat> like it definitely seemed like it was part of in general, like her life. And mm-hmm. so it was... It was upsetting that he, like, he listened to her, but also, like, that he was pacing the sex. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so we take care of her in all ways, but, like, we have to be demanding in this one? Right. Even even if it had just been something that he had mentioned earlier in the book before they hooked up, of just like, oh, yeah, I really like, um, I really like focusing on the woman until she's practically begging for it. And for her to be like, oh, I've never tried that. That sounds great. Then, then we're in the clear. Then they can do that as many times as they want. It's just the fact for me that they like never talked about it. That just kind of I was like, Ugh. like it was so close to being like absolutely like ab- entirely about this woman finding empowerment in herself. But then this one aspect, she never got to dictate it. So it was Agreed. a little. Agreed. I mean, the scenes were hot. She liked it. He liked it. Everybody liked it. So I'm on board with that. It's just like this one small thing for me. Yeah. No, agreed. And I will also say, like, he was too handsome in the book. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, if I met this guy in real life, goodness me. Like, he's what? He's like six foot five and like very <sighs> muscular, covered in beautiful tattoos that he's worked hard to get. One of them says, love mom. Like, mm-hmm. um, and just like, and also red haired and I know. brawny. <sighs> and I just imagined like Thor, but with red hair and tattoos, mm-hmm. which I was fine mm-hmm. with. But it was too much. Like, it was just too much for me. 
So I, <laughs> I, in my head, I scaled that handsome way down to normal. Like I made him like he was still very hot in my head, but he was not movie star hot anymore. Mm-hmm. He was normal dude hot. And I liked that better. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm trying to think, like... Not that I don't think Chloe doesn't deserve movie star hot. Sure, sure, sure. Because nobody deserves... But nobody deserves beauty or not beauty. Mm-hmm. The fantasy just kicked off too far for me. Like, okay. I wanted a little bit more reality. And so I just made him sure. a little bit more normal in my head. I didn't get the sense that he was super hot, like, in other romance novels. Like, oh, it's the most attractive man I've ever seen. I got the sense that he... There was something about him that was very arousing and enticing. Like, his sort of his charm, his charisma, his smile, and part of that is what made him attractive, as opposed to him just being, like, physically hot. That's what I got the sense of, but... Also, like a ginger with tattoos. Like I, can't, I can't. I can't. I'm. I'm a puddle. So, I mean, he was just like too perfect. He cooked. He cleaned. He did art. He... Claire, don't take this away from me. <laughs> oh, and this is the best part of the book, and mm-hmm. I want to underline it, and I want to shout it from the rooftops. How many times have we said this person needs therapy? and hey guess what he gets therapy he gets therapy he goes and gets therapy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he does it on his own without somebody begging him to do it we don't mm-hmm. sit in his therapy session so we don't have to go over it he doesn't like it but he knows but he learns from it and he mm-hmm. understands mm-hmm. he doesn't have to like it for it to actually be working right and, and he brings it up in conversation he's like oh this is something that i've talked about in therapy so this is something that i'm working on yeah. and chloe's like great good well done well done yeah it was so great. after they get back from camping um uh her sisters come over and she's like, do you want to run out of the room? Do you want to hide? He's like, no, it's fine. Like, I'll just be naked in the bedroom. Just don't let them in. <laughs> she's like, that makes perfect sense. We're adults. <laughs> and she goes out and she's like, guys, please leave. I'm with my very handsome, tall, redheaded man in there. And they're like, ah! And, um, and he's feeling like goofy, <laughs> silly about it. And then... They're like, oh, he was on your list. So you get to tick him off your list. And he just goes into like mode where he's like, oh, she was just using me. It's her. It's all this class stuff again. I was just on her list. She, she doesn't actually care for me. I was falling in love with her and giving her my heart. And she doesn't care about me at all. I'm just another th- item on her list. And, and like I'm, I'm angry and I'm leaving. So when her sisters leave, she comes back and it's already blown up. Like she's, she was out of the room and he's already fucking pissed and he's, he's like ready to leave. He confronts her about it. She tries to explain, but like, he's, he's like upset to upset to upset. And then he, and then she's getting, he's getting ready to leave. She's like, look, if it is this easy for you to leave, do not come back. And he's like, got it. And he closes the door and right away he's like, okay, wait a sec. (laughs) That may have been wrong. And she's like, yeah, it was wrong, but you still have to go. (laughs) I am not letting you back in. Um, And he leaves, but he immediately realizes what he did was wrong. He has to try to get her back. He starts sending her presents, but they're presents that are very much about her. And they're delightful. He writes her a letter, but she doesn't read it because she's not ready for it. 
when she finally gets around to reading it, he's written a list of his own, but it's how he's going to get her back. And it's very endearing. It's very sweet. One of them is like, continue going to therapy. <laughs> One of them is like, get her presents. <laughs> One of like, there's all these nice things. And uh, she goes over to his place and she shows him her list, which didn't say get red. It says keep red. So she's like, yeah, you were on my list, but it's because I love you and I've fallen in love with you. And here's the fucking proof. And he's like, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You weirdo romance guy. Yeah. And so they have their moment, which felt forced. Like, um, I, yeah. I it made sense plot wise. I'm not going to say it didn't make sense. To I me, it didn't make sense. I, and here's, here's why. Yes. So the, through most of the book, she was like, okay, the list is the list and it cannot change. And everyone's like, that's a dumb idea. And she's like, no, the list is the list. And then after she gets to know Red and they sort of like help each other grow, she's like, okay, we can change the list. So on the list she had have meaningless but wonderful sex. And she didn't show him that part of the list. And then after they did have sex, she didn't cross that off because it wasn't meaningless for her. And then she added keep red or whatever. So in in that moment where he's in her bedroom and she's out talking to her sisters and she doesn't realize that he can hear them, he I think he discovers the list or somehow he finds out that have meaningless sex was on the list. And his initial reaction is, oh, this was meaningless. But then he's like, no, wait that doesn't sound right that doesn't seem like chloe i know that she's made a change now maybe this is it okay i'm not going to jump to conclusions about this and then three seconds later he find like his name pops up in the conversation with the sisters and they're like oh blah 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 he's on the list and then that's when he goes like he goes from like 10 to 100 and that to me, like that leap in logic of, okay, I'm fairly certain the sex isn't meaningless. Oh, now my name is on the list. Now I'm upset. To me, that was a strange leap in logic. And it, like, it was technically perfectly crafted because the misunderstanding moment fed into both of their traumas, which was him being, feel like he was just something disposable and her feel like she was left. So it feeds into his inferiority complex and her abandonment issues because when they are fighting and he's getting ready to leave, then she's like, no, this is just another person who's going to leave me. And as soon as he closes the door, he realizes that he's like, oh shit, I just left her. And because so many people have left her, I said I would never leave her. So like, it's like the setup is just so perfect because it's, in such a way that it feeds both into their traumas. But for me, that leap in logic was logic was kind of nonsense, especially because we have this moment where he's like, no, 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 take a second, think it through. Because that to me is like something that like what I have found in our many, many readings is that people in romance novels never think about their feelings. They just right. act on them, which is sometimes true, but also like not true and not a, healthy way to live your life so we have these moments like there was a part earlier in the book where chloe was like why is he acting like this and her brain was like well logically speaking it's because he's into you it's just like that makes sense but also not 
and we see like okay she gets it but then she doesn't get it and like we all do that all the time like i know logically that this is true but emotionally i feel this other way and then for him to have this moment of like okay no i'm self-reflective enough to know not to fly off the handle because i know that the sex wasn't meaningless for her and just like because of her interactions but then three seconds later this other thing and then that's when he flies off and i'm just like bro like on come on like that was the big thing for me and then like where that fell in the story for me felt kind of misplaced i don't know like a lot of this book like this book more than most books we read spends time developing their relationship so by the time that they were like falling for each other and they got over their initial dislike of each other i'm like oh i get it i get it and they both realized the misunderstanding I totally get it. I totally understand why these two people are together, why they're attracted to each other. Um, but but then, which I appreciate it, but then, like, I don't know, just sort of the beats of where that fell and then the big blow up. And then, like, they sort it out almost instantly and then the book is over. Yeah. It yeah. felt kind of weird for me. No, I agree. I agree completely. And I, I think what I mean when I say I understand kind of the plot point and how it got to where it did, um, I do, but I don't think it was well handled. Like, yeah. it doesn't, it makes sense that that's what she was building to and by she the writer. Like, it makes sense, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't really pay off. Like, yeah. and also that fight between the two of them, uh, Red was actually scary. Like, he was scary in that fight. He yelled at her. He He's bigger than her physically. And he kind of, like, kind of came up on her a little bit. And I was like, yeah, no, tell this man to get out. This is a red flag. <laughs> like, red is red flagging right now. So, no, <laughs> out, out, out. So I was like, no, 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 no. Um, and, and so, like, that was something I genuinely didn't like. I also thought pacing-wise... It just took so long to get to the list and so long to get to that agreement that they were going to work together. It was like halfway through the book. <laughs> it was like, yeah, uh, I was like, come on, it's taking too long to get to our central like conceit and I need to get there faster. Like we're not, I don't, I didn't feel like we were building up these characters enough to earn how long it took to get there. Like I, uh, it just took so long and yeah. I, like I've what I did feel genuinely was that this book used the tropes that we've been reading in other books and elevated them. Mm-hmm. Like this is uh, this book is much better written. The the tropes are much better put together and used in a way that makes much more logical sense. I think they're past traumas, but the way but they're also adults. These were two people who were adults and mm-hmm. they felt like adults. Yeah. And they knew what their feelings were and they were able to act on them sometimes well, sometimes not. And they were able to communicate within their ability to understand their own feelings. So I thought that all worked really well. Mm-hmm. The pacing I felt was way off. Like I didn't like it got too fast to the end. The mm-hmm. them coming back together was too fast. Like I genuinely could have just sat in like his list and how much longer it took him to earn her back. Like I felt like it was very quick. Like we saw two or three presents mm-hmm. and then she's going over to knock on his door. And yeah. I really could have like spent more time in there. Uh, the very interesting character that she runs into the the Knickers Whisperer, uh, Annie. 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 We need to talk like, about Annie. Well, and Annie, who is like the one who actually owns the cat, 
that um, Chloe rescues and has to smudge. like smudge and has to which is a cute name for a cat. Such a cute name. But she has to give the cat back to Annie and it breaks her heart to do so. But Annie like is just like this like I'm like she's hilarious and she just like talks over everybody and she's just got so many things to say and she's kind of crazy and she just lives her life and she's kind of amazing. And Chloe was like, oh, I don't know about that woman. And Red was like, uh, she obviously likes you as a friend and wants to be your friend. You should be her friend. <laughs> and Chloe's like, you think so? Yeah. And then she meets up with her and yeah, they're like friends. And it's not, not they don't have an immediate mind meld. They're mm-hmm. just like good together. And it was yeah. great. It was like, yes, be friends. So, so for me, I like, I loved that, that through line, but it also didn't pay off quite enough for me. Yeah, I, I um, wanted to see her one more time and we really didn't. Yeah, so, okay, so she has the two sisters, Danny and Eve, who are both great. Like, th- they're set up in such a way that, because the, Danny's the next book, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming that Eve is the third book. And they're, they're introduced in such a way that they felt like they added to this story. And then by the time we get to their own books, we already have a sense of who they are, as opposed to, like, that football book where there's that, completely pointless epilogue that was literally just there to introduce the characters for the next book and it felt kind of clunky this doesn't feel like that at all and then like her relationship with her sisters is great they razz each other but they're also very supportive of each other um but then part of this is her real like chloe realizing like oh i should also have a friend who's not my sister and so then she like like it's kind of funny too because it's like enemies to friends kind of thing like her relationship with annie sort of follows romance trips also but then when annie shows up and chloe's like i don't know about this woman and then oh yeah we should be friends and then they start to develop this friendship and it's like oh great they're going to be fr- oh no it's it's done now we don't see annie anymore yeah like, we're I, not gonna talk I, about that anymore i wanted it, it might have felt like too much like a bow but just like a scene where Annie and Chloe are hanging out just because they're friends now, or a scene for her to realize I need to talk to someone about this relationship and I can't talk to my sisters because they'll make fun of me. Let's go talk to Annie because she's impartial. She's, you know, yes. and yes. I can hear what she has to say. And she'll talk about... Then we get a perfect moment where, because Red had said, you need to be friends with Annie. And then Annie say, you need to be with Red. Yes. And Red has the friend too, um, Vic, who got him mm-hmm. the job, who's the landlord. So we see him. He has the conversation with Vic about, kind of about this, but also about like him sort of being like, okay, I need to move out of this apartment and like go do my own thing. Fix like, yeah, thank you. I've been saying this for a while. Like, I'm happy to have been able to like giving you this job in this apartment while you got your feet under you again. But like, yes, it's time. Go be. And so I really w- would have loved to see that conversation with Annie of just like, well, what do you want? Okay, great. Go do that. Just go do that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I agree. 100% agree. Yeah. Um Yeah. Uh, but I, this did this did have a year after epilogue, which I thought was hilarious, and I almost mm-hmm, giggled. Um, mm-hmm. But they weren't married; they, they were not married. having children. They, they were going on a world trip. They weren't. Yeah, yes, they weren't even engaged, were they? No. Yeah, they were just like going. They were going to New York. Yep. Because they had both talked about how much they wanted to. She, he had been. She had never been. Yeah, and it was like on her, and it was on her list to travel with just a handbag. 
Yeah. And so, like, and that was something that they talked about, like, oh, my God, when we go to New York together. So it was really nice to see them go to New York. Also, this book is fucking hilarious. It was. It was, it was really was funny. It was so funny. There was so many funny moments. Like, uh, Chloe was a genuinely lovely, like, head to be inside of. Mm-hmm. And she's so great and really delightful. She had said something um, when you were part of like, it was almost like she'd said when you're part of a minority of a minority there are so many hurts and so many things that you have to protect yourself from. You just have to pretend some of them don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just so you can make the your way through the day. <laughs> it was like, oh my god. <sighs> oh! But also, uh, like, she was... outside of that, like it was genuinely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Also, she was nice and curvy, and Red loved that about her. Oh yeah. Also, but it didn't have like it didn't talk about like oh she's nice and curvy but loves her food. It didn't talk about her being nice and curvy and him saying it's exactly the type of lady he always goes for. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it was just like no she was curvy and that was nice. <laughs> and that was that was nice. And, and she thought she was fucking beautiful. She was like, yeah. Yes. I mean, like, she was she was honest. She was like, oh, me and my body have problems. And I've had to come to terms with a lot of things. And one of those things did sound like, you know, the way she looks versus, like, the way society wants women to look. But she also was like, fuck that. I'm beautiful. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Hooray. Uh, good. Yes. Yes. So that was that book? That was that book. Less, a novel by Andrew Sheen Greer. Who says you can't run away from your problems? You're a failed novelist about to turn 50. A wedding invitation arrives in the mail. Your boyfriend of the past nine years is engaged to someone else. You can't say yes. It would be too awkward. And you can't say no. It would be like defeat. On your desk are a series of invitations to half-baked literary events around the world. Question, how do you arrange to skip town? Answer, you accept them all. What could possibly go wrong? Arthur Less will almost fall in love in Paris, almost fall to his death in Berlin, barely escape to a Moroccan ski chalet from the Saharan desert, accidentally book himself as the only writer in residence at a Christian retreat center in Southern India, and encounter on a desert island in the Arabian Sea, the last person on earth he wants to face. Somewhere in there, he will turn 50, and through it all, there is his first love, and there is his last. Because despite all these mishaps, missteps, misunderstandings, and mistakes, Les is, above all, a love story. A scintillating satire of of the American abroad, a rumination on time and the human heart, a bittersweet romance of chances lost by an author the New York Times has hailed, inspired, lyrical, uh, ingenious, as well as too sappy by half. Les shows a writer at the peak of his talents, rising the curtain on our shared human comedy. And that is what that book says it's about. Neil. Yeah, what is uh-huh. this book? Um, so it's that. Firstly, I would argue this is not a romance novel. This is a novel I mean, about love. Yes, I would say that. But I would also say it falls, it, it does do the things that we have asked 
cast of romance novels, which is have a happy ending, which is be about love, which is mm-hmm. about two central characters coming together. And it actually does have two perspectives in this book in, in many ways. Right. Um, and it is and the impetus... not a romance novel in the genre sense sometimes. Right. Right. The impetus of the plot is the romance. Um and and me, who's like one of the first people to be like abolish genre, like. But it's a absolutely gorgeous novel about love. Yes. So let's get into it. Um, so we find out through various unravelings, like there there are three plots going on. It's three different points in Arthur's life that we find out over the course of the novel. Um, the present day, his relationship with Freddie and his relationship with Robert, the relationships with Freddie and Robert sort of get unwrapped over the course of the novel. Um, the structure of it is gorgeous. Um, I would also say like, there's a relationship to self that I think is also like, and that relationship to self is sort of like experienced through his relationship to his writing and what he writes and creates. But that mm-hmm. that is also himself. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the relationship to self and yes. these two men. Yeah. So it's so it's like I'm not going to go through the plot, really, because if, if the plot is literally a series of mishaps in different countries and like that's not really interesting to talk about, but it's very interesting to read because of how the novel is structured. But basically, um, Robert had this guy for nine years like they didn't really define their relationship it was like they sort of accidentally fell in love without realizing it until after the fact um and so it's arthur and and this younger man freddie who is the adoptive son of his arch nemesis uh carlos which is great and then early in his life um Less Arthur Less was in a relationship with this famous poet, an older man named Robert, um, something something last name, um, and so it's the it's it's this really interesting um, situation of him reflecting on his relationship with Robert as the younger man, and then him reflecting on his relationship with Freddie as the older man, um, and going through that. But basically, he discovers that Freddie is getting married. And he's been invited to the wedding. And he's like, well, I can't say yes. But I can't say no. Oh, God. Oh, God. Everyone's going to talk about me either way. What do I do? So he decides to accept a bunch of offers from people for awards for teaching positions to do, like, short classes. So he's just going to travel the world for, like, the better part of a year. And just be like, okay, bye. Um, So he starts off in New York and then goes to Italy. And then Germany has a layover in Paris, goes to Morocco and then India and then Japan and then back to San Francisco. So the book is like plot wise, it's literally just him having a bunch of mishaps and like a bunch of misunderstandings that are both cruel, but then also about himself. Like, there's, there's this part where he's being brought to the to the award 
ceremony for the award that he's up for in Italy. And he's like picked up at the airport and brought out of outside of this already small town to this sort of like country club resort thing. And he's like, and there was a misspelling on the sign. And he's like, I just got in the wrong car. Obviously I'm not <laughs> meant to be at this country club. This is all wrong. So what am I going to do? Oh my God, everything's wrong. There's no reason I should be here. And then he steps out of the car and these two women are like, oh, hello, Mr. Les. So nice to see you. And he's like, oh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, so it's just a bunch of things like that. Um, one of my favorite mishaps is his, because he doesn't speak the language anywhere he goes. He he only knows enough Spanish that the same that someone from Sesame Street would know. So he, he can't really work through Mexico. He doesn't know any of these other languages, but he's so happy to get to Germany because he speaks German. And he has but he doesn't and he doesn't know that. He's like he had a teacher from like when he was a child to his teenage years that was just like, just speak it emphatically and every like you know what you're yeah. saying and it's fine. And so that's what he does and, and he speaks it like a child and so he's like terrible but doesn't know it his, his 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 teacher was from like a speaking neighborhood in uh where is he from connecticut rhode island somewhere yeah but she'd never been to germany or spoken to like native german speak she was teaching him german and there were bits where it was like transcripts of direct translations of the phone calls that he would have with people and that's the point he's like the people who published the ver the German translation of one of his books, and he's like, "Yes, I'm calling to uh, talk about offense in my book." And the woman's like, "What?" And he's like, "This is Arthur Les. I'm here to talk about offense in my book." And she's like, "Oh, so wonderful to hear from you. Oh, yeah, I hear you're to Germany. That's very exciting. Blah blah blah. I'm sorry. What can I help you with? There's a fence in my book. <laughs> Sounds of keyboard. <laughs> Sounds of keyboard typing." No, I'm an error in my book. <laughs> well, and, and the young man he starts having um, a dalliance with in Germany, like, looks at him and is like, you speak terrible German. And the longer you're here, the worse you it seems to get. <laughs> see, no one had ever Pan. told him that he, nobody had ever told him that he, like, he speaks it enough to get by. He speaks it enough to be understood. But he thinks that he's fluent and nobody's told him that he's not. And it's poetic. His, like, mistakes are poetic. So people almost yeah. think he's doing it on purpose a little bit. Like, he walks into the classroom. He tells everybody he's, like, this professor, which is, like, this huge statement. And he is not. He's, like, he's a guest lecturer. And so he walks in. He says he's the professor. And then says, sorry, I have to kill you now. <laughs> what he just means he has, to, <laughs> he has to excuse some of them from the class. Because <laughs> the, the, the name of the class was, like read like dracula write like frankenstein yeah. or something like that and everyone and was then like it, what is this class i am taking it <laughs> and then it barely makes sense in english and then it was translated into german and so like 150 kids show up and they're like what the fuck is this and they had to <laughs> eventually be like okay well i have to kill anyone who's not part of the comparative lit department <laughs> Oh, it was so good. It was really good. Oh. It was um, like all of his mishaps are actually delightful. Like he mm -hmm. has this one suit, just this one suit, and the way they he talks about it, like 
it just makes him feel like who he actually is. Like it's an it's an insane suit. It's too bright blue. It's fuchsia on the inside. It's insane. But it makes him feel like himself. And he loves mm-hmm. this suit. And like and it rips <laughs> and it is torn asunder. And he has to he's already ordered another suit that's gonna be delivered in Japan. And he tried to get it the same blue, but the guy looked at it and was like, No, you you're too old. And he's like, No, 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 make it this blue one. And then when it's finally delivered in Japan, it is gray. They gave him the gray suit. And he's just like, Ugh. But it's all he has yeah. because by then he's lost all of his luggage. <laughs> Because he's lost his luggage and his one nice blue suit that is, like, how he sees himself got torn up by a stray dog in India. <laughs> Somehow some dog was just like, I want to eat your suit now. Just, what? <laughs> yeah, and, like, the, the, the trip that they go on in Morocco is just, like, or Marrakesh is just, like, everybody's getting the flu everywhere he goes so it starts in germany and then on into like uh marrakesh everyone's getting the flu and just falling in front of him practically so they're all like out of commission and by the time he's at this party and it's supposed to be this lavish birthday party for this very rich woman that he's just sort of tagging along in everybody's hearts are broken everybody's breaking up with their somebody they've been with they're all turning 50 and they're all getting divorced and and so like it's not a good place for him to heal his heartbreaks because everybody's in the midst of a heartbreak but it is probably one of the best conversations when he's talking with a guy whose relationship he's looked up to and they're getting divorced lewis lewis and clark are getting divorced i love this Yes. And he's yes. And he is so heartbroken. He's like, that's awful. And Clark is like, no, it's fine. And he's like, no, it's terrible. You should be together forever. He's like, why are we upset when things are wonderful and end? It's okay. You can accept that it was wonderful and that it was over. And he's like, no, it has to go on forever. That's what love is about. And he's like, yeah. no, that isn't what love is about. <laughs> like, and, and, yeah, and, and this, Arthur this... is not ready to hear it. And he cannot. <laughs> There's and this part that Arthur to... like, uh, oh, he's like how, how, can your, how can your relationship be failing? And Lewis is like, I was with a man that I am deeply in love with for 20 years how is that a failure how could that possibly be a failure i have been so happy for 20 years and it's time for us to both move on how is that a failure and reading this is like yes yes right yes. but then but that's immediately... definitely not it's what arthur needed to hear but not what arthur wanted to hear right but then also immediately afterwards he has another conversation with another person who just broke up with her like 20-year relationship as well and they're also breaking up and she is busted and like the woman she was with is like fallen in love desperate like ridiculous love with somebody else and left and she's like is that love or was the pleasant quiet moments we had that i truly loved love and like she just can't like figure out like is that big love the big love or was what they had the big love and why is it not enough for this other person what she had and it just breaks arthur more like he's not like he's not ready to hear this either he's also not ready to hear that somebody could love somebody more and that he could have 
been in love that much in love and it was a lesser love and yet not Mm -hmm. at the same time Mm -hmm. and so he's just heartbroken all the way around (laughs) sorry finish your thought no 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 please on top of it too so he's so this woman zora is the and her birthday is the day before his and like they they went on the camel caravan out into the desert in morocco and um he was like sort of on the way and had a gap in his itinerary and then something opened up and he doesn't, he, the only person he knows on this trip is Lewis. It's all of Zora's friends, but they, like they had an opening and you know, Lewis was like, Oh, come with us. Like it's also your 50th birthday. Zora would be happy to share the evening with you. Blah, 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 blah. Um, also really fast. Zora's whole thing about like, fuck love. Let's just get fat and be happy. <laughs> We're 50. Let's just get fat and be happy. Um, And so the whole time as he's like going through all these mishaps and like trying not to think about Freddie, but of course thinking about Freddie, he's like, well, at least I'm not going to be alone on my birthday because for his 40th birthday, he was alone. And he's like, okay, at least for my 50th birthday, I won't be alone. I won't know anyone really, but at least I won't be alone. And so we're t- we're taking the camel caravan and like people are getting I'm assuming it's like food poisoning or something just like left and right so that eventually it's literally Zora Lewis and Arthur left and then L- Lewis was like oh I'm surprised I haven't gotten it yet and then lo and behold he gets it so then their tour guide was like well I guess I'll have to take you back to the city and is waiting and Zora's like fuck it it is my birthday take us somewhere fantastic so it's just the three of them, and they go to this, like, Swiss-style chalet up in the mountains. Apparently there's snow in Morocco. I had no idea. Um, and so they're just sort of hanging out, and they're celebrating Zora's birthday, and they're, like, sort of there chatting and chatting with Muhammad, the guide, and the bartenders. And then she just gets so fucking wasted that they have to put her to bed, which, of course, it's your 50th birthday. Do that if you want to. But then by the time midnight rolls around and it's Arthur's birthday. He's like standing out on a balcony by himself. And he's like, well, fuck. <laughs> so he's dealing with this heartbreak. He He's alone on his 50th birthday. And even more so because he's not even in his adorable house in San Francisco. He's on a balcony at some random chalet in Morocco all by himself. And he's just like, well, fuck it. And then that's when he ends up tearing the sleeve of his suit to, that he has to go and get fixed in India. And it was just so lovely just to hear all these, which is why I feel it's not quite a romance because very rarely in romance novels do people think about love and like what it is and what it means. They just like lean into their feelings where this whole book is like, what does love look like? What does love mean? What does it mean to be in love? What does it mean to give love, to have love and all of that? And so all of these different conversations that he's having in all these different places. And oh God, the part with Javier in Paris was just so lovely. And like, they obviously wanted to be, but then Javier had an estranged husband in Madrid. And it was this, ugh, anyway, it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. It's a wonderful book. Everyone should read it. It's hilarious. And there's so many, like every sort of poignant or strange comment that happens or like amusing moment that happens we find out half a chapter, a chapter, three chapters later that it was a breadcrumb that's going to get picked back up again. 
in such a way that's just so satisfying. Like, this book feels kind of like you're winding your way through a, a maze, finding your own breadcrumbs, and, like, being in the maze was the whole point of it to begin with. Like, yeah. you're not trying to get out. You're not trying to get to the... You're just trying to... Like, the the point of it is to go through the entire maze and to find all these breadcrumbs that you've left. Yeah. And it was really lovely. And there's a meta quality to it, too, that I really enjoyed, where he has just found out that his newest novel is not going to be published because it's about this older man. It's... a it's um. Oh, shit, what's Swift. that book? Ulysses. Yeah. Uh, Ulyssian, Joycean, in that it's it follows a man over the course of a day walking through San Francisco, sort of thinking back on, you know, his his woes, his worries, his tragedies, and all of that. And then everyone's like, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Well, and he's one person's that- even... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's told by one person who's like, nobody cares what a white, middle-aged, like, fairly wealthy guy is doing. Like, nobody cares about your that guy's problems. He has no mm-hmm. problems. He has a delightful life, and he's just sad about it for no reason. Yeah, I think it was Lewis was like, or maybe it was Carlos was like, that guy has the best life of anyone I've ever heard of. No, yeah. Well, no, it was one of his other rivals. Like, it was a real literary rival. Because Carlos isn't a oh, okay. literary rival. He's just a human rival. But um, there's a literary but he was rival. Also, he was also, like, one of the fringe members of the Russian River School. I don't think yeah, he was a but writer. He was, more like a, but he, was... he was more like a hangers-on. Because he was never himself a writer. He started out yeah. as kind of a poet. Then oh. became, like, a... Uh, was he... it that one... Was it that one guy who had, like like called him out yes. in that speech yes. that one time yeah because they meet again in like, paris and mm-hmm. uh, he's like and he is drunk and nobody wants him there drunk and nobody likes him and he pulls Ar- arthur aside and is like arthur uh nobody likes your book and he's like what? you're a bad gay you're a bad gay he's like you're not a bad writer <laughs> i enjoy your writing you're a bad gay <laughs> none of the gays taught like your book and he's like i'm a bad gay <laughs> Yeah, he's like, Cause, so here's all the traditional press who doesn't want to read his book because he's gay, and then and all his books are too gay, and then here's the gay press who's like, no, you're a bad gay. <laughs> he's like, I can't win. <laughs> it, the novel that he's most known for is called Calypso, and it's basically a retelling of the Circe section of the Odyssey, and it's about this soldier who washes up on an island affair with this young man, and then goes back to his wife and this guy i forget the name of the the guy he's talking to was like why did he go back to his wife and like that's how could you punish a gay character like that and arthur's like that's the odyssey that's the story right but it's also about something he can't talk about which was about his long and important marriage slash affair to robert because robert left his wife for arthur and they were together for a long time and then Mm -hmm. robert leaves him to because the relationship isn't what it was before and then eventually does kind of return to his wife like it, like their exes like it's mostly because he needs someone to take care of him but they're just because friends of his health now. issues yeah mm-hmm. but they're just friends 
now but he sh that's literally what happens <laughs> like it's not mm -hmm. a story and it's not a bad ending and that's what i also really liked like here is this like gay author saying that's a bad ending you're punishing your gays and here's what it happens in real life and it wasn't a punishment it's everybody's happy it's okay this is how mm -hmm. life works sometimes you love people and they come in and out of your yeah, life even, even the ex-wife was just like Okay, yeah, my husband left me for this guy, and they were outrageously happy with each other, and okay, it is what it is. Um, but he has this moment, um, Arthur does, in, is it in India? Does he actually get, yes, he, or is it Japan, where he got the writing done? Uh, he gets writing done in Japan, and I thought this was really interesting. In India, he's like, oh, you, you, ha you can't be bored. You have to, like, be surrounded by things. And then, of course, that's wrong. You must be bored. The only way you a writer will write is if you're bored. Yeah. <laughs> and in Japan, so he's he exceedingly has... bored. <laughs> yeah, because he even has to eat the same meal four times. <laughs> um, he's like, here so come he... the mung beans. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but he he has this revelation of like, oh, this novel has to have moments of like humor of like he basically has to be like Mr. Mr. Bean meets Mr. Magoo, like otherwise. And that's what will make people care. And like this, this book less if these funny things didn't happen, nobody would have cared. I'm just like, oh, oh, so meta. Mm, love it. I love a good use of a meta novel. Um, and it's so funny, too, because for the most part, every like everyone he encounters, except for Carlos and that other literary rival, everyone just wants to help the bumbling American. And they do the best. Everyone does the best that they can. And it almost never works out. <laughs> yeah. And and it, it does and it doesn't in this funny way that it just is the way he bumbles through his life, but also accepts his life. Like, because he is a man who wears his heart on his sleeve and being so raw, like, mm -hmm. that's what happens. But um, I think and when you just say yes to things and he is a man who just is always saying yes. And it's not just like to these events, but in general in his life, he's like, OK, yeah, this is what I take. This is what I'll go with. Mm -hmm. Um. I think one of the most interesting parts is actually like I loved this right away is how he met Carlos and but they became nemesis. They were they they were on they a beach. each other across the was it a beach or a pool? They were oh, both in speedos. They were both they in speedos. They both looked like, great. They nemesis. both knew it. And they're like you look great. You also look great. Instant enemies. And I was like, "Oh my god." He's my oldest and dearest friend, but we're rivals. Yeah. And they say that too about each other. He's my oldest friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then and then for Arthur to start dating his adopted son, it's just like, yes. <laughs> but then when they break up, oh my God, Carlos takes Arthur aside. And it's just like, well, we both know that he was, you were never right for him or some shit like that. I'm like, you piece of ass. Oh, he was yeah. terrible. Carlos is still the worst, but also the best because he's the one who takes care of Arthur when Arthur, uh, like, almost breaks his ankle in India. Yeah. And and also, he's the one who, because, of course, he knows exactly what happened at the wedding and what's happening with his son, and he doesn't mm -hmm. let Arthur in on it. But when his son wants the information, he does tell him Arthur's flight and when mm -hmm. he'll be arriving mm -hmm. back at SFO. Yeah, because we see with Carlos Lewis and then someone else that he 
runs into at some point, people start to drop hints that some some drama, some great foo-foo occurred at the wedding. And he either doesn't want to hear it or that person gets interrupted and we move on. And so, of course, as a reader, we're like, oh, there was a big to-do. They got in a fight. Something happened, right? Um, and then we find out, put a pin in that, because it's also tied to the narrator for this book is we think it's an omniscient third person narrator. And then we hear like, Oh yeah, here's the story of the first time that I met Arthur. I'm like, Oh, Oh, it's an actual person. Okay. This is very interesting. Um, And then we find out bit by bit that the narrator of the novel is in fact, Freddie who on his honeymoon decides he's made a grievous mistake and leaves his husband of one day. And when Arthur gets back to his little, the shack, they call it in San Francisco. Freddie's waiting there. And then they're going to be together. Yep. And I'm not going to forever because as we've learned, it doesn't have to be forever. It doesn't. It's for, they're together. They're to, they're back together. Mm-hmm. And it's what they yeah. both want. And it's so romantic because there's this like huge bougainvillea like blooming over like the entryway on the porch. And Arthur crosses mm-hmm. that threshold and the bougainvillea just shudders and like sends all these purple leaves all over him. And he's like backlit in a halo. And that's what Freddie sees is this is his is the person he loves most showered in perfection coming towards mm-hmm. him. And even though we know and he like Freddie says, I'm going to cry. I am going to cry right now. Freddie says earlier, you were the bravest person I know. And Arthur is like, that is the silliest thing anyone's ever said to me in the whole book you're like this man isn't really brave (laughs) like he just does things and he's very on and freddie as narrator is very honest in the book about all of less's arthur less's like bad qualities and his like the things that go wrong and like how he's not this perfect person and then at the very end but that's what love makes each other you fill in each other's parts and you are like this complete and perfect romantic moment. And it was just so, oh, so fucking good. <laughs> like, I, like it was so poetic and perfect and the love, it was so great. It was so oh. great. <laughs> Honestly, like, oh, I could read this book so many times. It was so good. Yeah. It's marvelous. So yeah, if you're looking for a, a traditional romance novel, this is not it. But but I read mean, this book. Honestly, like, fucking read this book. It's it's very short. Um, it is very lovely and delightful, and it, it, there's a reason it won the uh, the Pulitzer Prize. There's a reason mm-hmm. it won it. Like yeah, and it's a good reason. And it was so fucking good. <laughs> I think that was so. That, that was book. that book. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was that book. Are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Let's play Fuck Mary. 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 I'll marry and kill. Do you want to go first? Should I go first? You go first. Okay. So, Claire, we talked about a couple of these a little bit 
Or one of them, not as much. But it's fine, whatever. It's our game, so I'm, we're going to do whatever I want. So fuck, Mary Claire. Fuck, Mary Kill. Claire. Dive bars. Riding retreats. And restaurants. Ooh, okay. Um, hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I think I'm going to marry writing retreats. Um, because I okay. do like a place to go and be bored and to do nothing but write and also have things uh-huh, provided uh-huh. for me to do those things. So I'm going to marry that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am going to fuck dive bars if only because mm-hmm. it's so different every time and also like sometimes the, <laughs> like sometimes the drinks are amazing sometimes they're horrible sometimes they're very cheap sometimes they are suspiciously expensive like and you just never know sometimes it's sticky sometimes <laughs> it's clean sometimes the bartender cannot wait to talk to you and sometimes he will drink with you and sometimes the bartender's like uh out of my face i've got a whole nother reason for being and like it's a grab bag of-, of interesting things happening all of those things also describe the people that you see in a any given dive bar. Yes. You never know. Never they could know. be sticky and cheap. They could be clean and suspiciously expensive. You just never know. Yeah. Honestly, all the time is very exciting. Um, I love a dive bar. Um, uh, you love I'm a gonna dive bar. I'm going to kill restaurants, if only because mm-hmm. that's the choice and has to happen. I do love restaurants. But I will also mm-hmm. say... Um, you cannot just sit at a restaurant, especially in America, forever. <laughs> at a dive bar, they're like, yeah, right. go ahead. What? If, please, actually, you have to please stay here forever <laughs> and get lots of drinks. Do you want water and peanuts to ensure you buy more drinks? Because that is all I've got going on. So like, <laughs> and it's so I love restaurants because I love food. But mm-hmm. um, they restaurants also don't just have like a house bourbon that I can just have. <laughs> Like they, or if they do, it's very expensive. And for no reason, and it's the same one that they have at the bar across the street for like half the price. And I, I just like, I'm sorry. Like it's gonna take you a half hour to get that thing back to me, and I just want a fucking shot real quick, um, and then to have a beer. Um, but f- for some reason, this establishment doesn't sell liquor, and I don't know why. So those those are my choices. Great, great. Neil? Um, I think I would do the same. I I feel like I enjoy dive bars the most out of that, but that's not marriage material. <laughs> so I think I'll marry the writing retreat. Um, in no small part, because when I'm on a writing retreat, I can I can pretend like, oh, this is what I do all the time. Like, I'm a writer in the American sense of, like, this is how I pay my bills. I am a writer. Um, you know, and then I come back to my office job and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, I do think so it's y'all... funny, though. The writing retreat is the worst part of Les's trip. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, he, we're going to marry it. But it was legitimately the worst part of his trip. <laughs> he, oh, my God. He was, like in this tiny little room with just like a painting of the last supper on the wall and he's like what the hell is going on he asks for a, <sighs> a desk and they take away the one desk he has and bring a new chair for no reason <laughs> <laughs> and and it's freshly lacquered so he sits down in it and it's stuck <laughs> and it's Cause, stuck because the lacquer hasn't dried yet <laughs> So good. So I'm going to marry that. I'm also going to fuck dive bars because you just never know. Um, 
And some of my favorite bars are like quote dive bars, um, which I guess says a lot about me. I've had formative life experiences in dive bars. Oh sure, yeah. Um, how many formative life experiences have I had in fancy cocktail lounges? Maybe one. Yeah, same. Maybe. Um, and then I'm gonna kill restaurants not because I want to, but because I have to. It's a game. Um. Yeah, and like, as much as I enjoy the ease of like going out to a restaurant with people and just like sitting and having amazing food show up, if given the choice, I would rather just like go to somebody's house and we all sort of like bring a dish to share for dinner because it's less embarrassing to get sloppy drunk there. Also, I love... (laughs) I love eating in a very comfortable chair in somebody's house. Like, oh yeah, oh my god, and and still having all of the food and all of the drink and stuff being brought to you, and it's all <laughs> fucking delicious. And the lovely conversation, and you don't have to deal with the peeps, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just your peeps. Um, yeah. yeah. All so right. So that's that. Ready? Claire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hit me. All right. Fuck Mary Kill. French poets. German scholars, Moroccan party guests. Okay. Okay. So, based on this book, because I don't have a lot of experience with any of those groups of people, based on this book, I'm going to kill Moroccan party guests because they all have terrible food poisoning and aren't any fun. They also didn't seem especially fun. They seemed to be kvetching about everything all the time. They were all heartbroken. They were all heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. But then there was like the the German journalists who were just like yelling. And there's that obnoxious tech guy who decided to open a nightclub. And none of them sounded fun. Um, except Zora. Zora was fantastic. But she was the hostess, not the guest. So she gets to survive. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, okay, I think I'm going to fuck French poets because I feel like they'd be good, or even if they aren't, it'd be a good story. Um, there'd be a lot of smoking involved, which I'm not on board with, but (laughs) there'd be like, like slightly too warm red wine involved and some like hot cheese and i'm okay with that (laughs) and like day old a day old baguette and like unrefrigerated brie and like too hot red wine yeah sure after obviously after the intercourse not before um so i would i'd fuck them but then like none of their lives end up well so i wouldn't want to marry them (laughs) I'm going to marry the German philosophers because, yes, they are very intense. Um, but I feel like even... I could be very wrong, but I feel like even... So a German philosopher is a German first. So even when they're philosophizing, they're still very practical. And I feel like we could have very blunt conversations about things. Like, work through all of our feelings very honestly. Um, and then... Um, but also Germans know how to let their hair down. 
So, <laughs> so I feel like that's a good match for me. What about you, Claire? Going very much just off of my assumptions of what these things are, I think I would fuck a Moroccan party guest. And maybe not these ones from this book, but I will say, like, just, like, the lavishness, the lushness, like, the just, like, everybody was there to, like, just throw something to the wind. It's just, like, caution, mm -hmm. like, fuck it. Like, we're just, like, here for fun. Like, we don't belong here. This is our playground, and let's just play. And, like, get that's what this... Fat. And that's what that party was supposed to be. Like, it was mm -hmm. supposed to be this just that's extravagant, insane thing. And, like, that, like, like, of, f yes, let's fuck. Let's also fuck. Let's also throw fucking into this. And that sounds like, I mean, if they got their way, like, there was a, t a private tent with, like, these luscious pillows and a big bed in the middle of the desert. That sounds delightful. Mm -hmm. um, after all this amazing food and wine. Ugh, sounds great. And super fun. So, like, that sounds like fun. Um, I do feel like between French poets and German scholars, German philosophers, like, it's just oh, it's so much going on in, like, the head. But So I, much. I do feel like there is more beards and naked time with the German philosophers. And I don't know why. <laughs> I just feel like German people sense, love being naked. There's just a sense of, like, just forgetting one's clothes and, like, continuing to talk <laughs> out in the fields and with my beard <laughs> and saying things. Oh, right. I was supposed to be wearing pants right now. And that just seems like fun. Like... <laughs> Like, yes, what we're talking about is life and death and what matters and things like that. But also, I've completely forgotten to put on pants. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like French poets romanticize death in a way that's like a little unsettling. Yeah. Whereas like German scholars would be like, it is what it is. What do we do with this information? <laughs> So I think like there is something romantic about the French poet, like the rain and the oh, and yeah. the cigarettes and like the 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 mistresses and things like that. But I think I'd rather marry a German scholar. So I'm going to kill a French poet. Mm -hmm. But this is all very sad in general and very poetic. Yeah, everyone or every time I think about now, every time I think about like fucking someone in France, I think of myself in O's apartment in Story of O. <laughs> and just like how beautiful that apartment was. And I want to be there. I want that apartment to be my apartment. But I, 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 knowing myself, should not marry a French poet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. What is next? Uh, all the characters. All the characters. Who would you fuck? Who would you marry? And who would you kill? Oh, I'd fuck red. I would fuck red. I would fuck red. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very classist though. And I'm going to say, um, I think I would marry Arthur. Like, I think just the day to day with Arthur would be more fun. Like just mm. the adventures, like the sweetness of him, like, kind of like yes he's he's got more money like it like he's got a house in san francisco he doesn't have to pay rent for it doesn't really matter like <laughs> well, he, he doesn't have a lot of money though he doesn't like, have a lot of, of money personally no but he has a yeah. house in san francisco that he does he so any money he gets is money he has <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was robert's house and he left it to him right very like yeah and so like he doesn't have to pay rent he doesn't have to pay a mortgage like there's nothing like 
Uh, he doesn't have debt. So yes, he is broke. But he's broke in the way that where somebody has no money, and then when they get the $600 voucher because they volunteered to not be on the plane, they now have $600. Most of mm -hmm. us don't also have that. We, are, that. we have credit card debt that that goes into immediately and rent that's coming up. <laughs> he just in the immediate didn't have 600 But like his connections to like the literary world, it just it seems like a fun marriage in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Like... And he just seems like an interest. Like, I love the way that they describe. Is he good in bed? No, he is no. not good in bed. But is kissing him like kissing somebody who's deeply in love with you every single time? Yes. And is that addictive? Yes. <laughs> that sounds delightful. I would love mm -hmm. that. Sounds great. Um, and I think I'm going to kill. Ooh. Oh, this is. Oh, I'm going to kill that author, whatever his name was, like Nigel. I'm just going to call him Nigel. I can't remember his name. That, <laughs> that told Arthur he was a bad gay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was just a. Like, Arthur knew that was what his feelings were. He didn't have to, like, you, like corner him at a party he didn't know anyone else at just to tell him that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to kill him. Okay. Okay. N Neil. Um, I'm going to fuck Chloe because it seems like it'd be a really good time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like, I don't know. I kind of feel like we'd end up being friends afterwards and that sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, I would marry red because he is tall, beefy ginger with tattoos, but also He's an artist. He's a painter. Like, I've always wished that I had the talent for painting, and he does. Um, so he has, like, a creative... He has an artist's soul, but then he also is, like, good at helping to take care of people and su being supportive of people. Insanely um, supportive and kind, without being, like, right. um, codependent. So we would be supportive of each other and our art. Um, and then I'd ride his motorcycle... Uh, which would be great. And then I'd ride him, which would also be great. <laughs> um, and as as much as I enjoyed Arthur, like just to, to your point of wanting to marry Arthur, as much as I enjoyed being inside his head, some of his interactions with people, he kind of felt like a wet blanket. <laughs> like, I'd love to be friends with him. And I want nothing but the best for him. But I anyway, and then I would also kill that author who, like, because at least... Carlos, I like kind of him and Carlos because Carlos went out of his way to be like, well, we both know that you weren't right for Freddy. And she's like, why are you being a dick? But like, they both know that. Like, that's what they both signed up for to be each other's nemeses. But this guy was like drunk at a party. Nobody's, he like, it. we sort of followed him, the other writer around the party a little bit. And he was annoying absolutely everyone. And then just to like, unsolicited be like here's my opinion about you person that i barely know after i like covertly called you out out in the very mentioning your name like sit down don't be a dick yeah no and at yeah. least like when arthur was confronted with almost those same things by the drunken hostess like mm -hmm. it was like she's like just tell me when i've gone too far and like he does and she's like great i won't say it anymore she, like she says she's, for you yeah she's honest with with her feelings about what she read in his book but also stops 
when he right. asked her to. But also, uh, it was also a very different. Not. Yeah, it was also a very different situation because, like, not knowing him, she like agreed to have him be part of her fiftieth birthday trip, and so like obviously it's like, okay, we're here to like have fun. We're here to be like be friendly to each other, just to have a good time. Also, like, ugh, maybe I'll fuck her. She was great. <laughs> I'm changing my answer. I'm I'm fucking Zora. She was amazing. She was fantastic. I want to be friends with her so badly. Anyway, um, so yeah, and then the books. The books. Well, I think I honestly did enjoy. Um, I honestly did enjoy Get a Life, Chloe Brown. I thought I it was really like a level above. It was very funny. It was good to read. So I think I'm gonna fuck it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to emphatically marry less, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. emphatically, like <laughs> I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> Great. Neil. Great. Uh, I'm also going to marry less. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then I'm going to marry to get a life, Chloe Brown. Oh, as Yes, I had some issues with it, but the things that I liked about it, I liked them so much that I'm willing to um, not overlook, but like, I mean, like, that's part of the the point of the book, too, is that it's not about, like, being perfect for someone or finding someone who's perfect. It's about finding someone who who embraces all of you, including your imperfections. And I'd like to embrace the imperfections of this book. So, Excellent. also like it was it was a lot of fun, it, it was so funny. It was so funny. It was. I laughed out loud many times. Yeah, like half of my notes are just like ha. <laughs> so, and I just want to read. I want to read like one super quick passage from it, because um, there were like for the most part it was like really funny, but there were a few parts that were just like really like um really lyrical and the the prose was really beautiful so i just like to read this one tiny thing her stomach swooped along the roller coaster curve of his mouth the defined cupid's bow a pulse racing drop i just oh god that's so good like it's delightful because part of the thing too is like reading so many romance novels it's always like oh she felt hot he felt burning it was electric like it's the same sort of sensations and metaphors over and over and over again but then and then less because it's you know in my mind striving to be literature with a capital l instead of romance of course like the language is a lot more lyrical and stuff like that but just like I would never, I would absolutely never think of like someone's stomach dropping along the curve of somebody else's mouth. I'm just like, oh, Talia Hibbert. Good job. It was beautiful. I appreciated the hell out of just the use of the real words of the body parts. Like they they said cunt a lot because it's England and they say cunt a whole lot more than we do. But also like also clitoris, also labia, Mm -hmm. also just like all the like his penis, like all the appropriate words. Like we're not going mm-hmm. to dance around them and they are themselves beautiful words and I just, mm-hmm. and used well and I loved it. Yeah, there, I mean, like I get wanting to find more um, 
you know, like flowery or lyrical or like more creative ways to talk about the, the human body when you're writing a sex scene in a romance novel. But like, like, so I feel like we read once her nipples bloomed and I just like, oh, that image to me is just so off-putting. Yeah, no. Oh, so, okay. Anyway, Neil. Yes. What are we reading next time? Well, we have to play our favorite game. <gasps> Christine! Yes! 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 All right. <laughs> this is going to be really easy because it has the theme in one of the titles. Um, All right. So I was going to go for something absolutely ridiculous. Like, I needed a little bit of a palate cleanser after how how heavy these books were. So I was like, I don't know, robots. I don't know. But then yeah. I found... Oh. But then one of these titles caught my eye and I was like, no, I gotta do it just because it sounds so lovely. But you'll you'll get it right away. Okay. All right, I'm ready. So we are reading Meet Cute Club, Sweet Rose Book One by Jack Harbin and The Bromance Book Club by Lisa K. Adams. It's meat-cutes. No. What? It's <laughs> the other one. Clubs? It's, it's book a book club. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's book clubs. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were trying yeah. to trick me. And like you're my, one of the titles. My <laughs> My theme for this romance novel is meet cutes. That's like when Claire was like, oh, it's wedding. <laughs> it's romance. Yes. <laughs> it's people falling in love. Yeah. <laughs> it's the theme is frenemies or like friends to friends to lovers. No, fuck up. Anyway, yes, both of these books are about book clubs and the title Meet Cute Club, I was like, oh God, we gotta read that book. <laughs> And then it just so happened that the other one, the Bromance Club, Book Club, is like, that's been on my, okay, this could be fun, let's find a theme for it. So, we're reading books it, about book clubs. It sounds like I I had a little reservation because I was like, oh no, is it like the Cougar Club, but bros? <laughs> it sounds, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you the plot, but it sounds really cute, actually. Okay, great. It it, inv- it involves straight men reading romance novels. Oh my god, I love it. Right, right, right? Mm-hmm. So, that's what we're doing. I told you it'd be easy. It is, yes, but I still didn't get it right on the first try. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. We're, we're picking these titles expressly to trick Christy. <laughs> It's all a conspiracy. They're even naming the books in order to trick me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. That's yes. how this year is affecting me. <laughs> I almost picked the book titled Christine, You'll Never Guess the Theme of This Book. <laughs> I oh probably wouldn't have. <laughs> just to, if, could you imagine just how full circle would life be if somehow Chuck Tingle wrote a book, Christine, you'll never guess the theme of this book. I would then know oh we are God. definitely living in a simulation if that happened. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like we'd have amazing. to retire. That would have to be the last book. It would, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that never happens. Hopefully down. we'll be doing this forever. 
Let's <laughs> shut it down. It's done. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Claire. Well, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you so much, listeners. Thank you, authors. Thank you, authors. This has been delightful and wonderful and such a joy. Yeah, whenever we read two good books, I'm like, is this even going to make an interesting episode? That we're like, <laughs> oh my god, it's so good, guys. Just go read it, okay? okay bye. <laughs> so, but these were both really good books, so go read them, guys. Yeah, okay, really, really good books. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I think that is it. Oh, listeners, please tell people about this. Um, uh, uh, rate and review. Send send your friends to listen. There's, it's something fun to do while you're stuck. Your ex lovers. <laughs> <laughs> your exes, your nemesis. Yeah, get in touch with every ex lover and tell them that you have something for them to listen to, and then just yes. let them figure out why you sent them a particular episode of ours. <laughs> <laughs> Can I? Oh my god! I should track down every guy who's ever ghosted me on one of the apps and send him the ghost episode. Yes. <laughs> Take the hand, asshole. <laughs> anyway, so I guess that's all we have to say for today. Except if you're able to do so safely and without spreading a virus. Keep...